0: It's not about me. I'm only here for a minute, and I know that I can't fix it. I can help even just a little bit. Won't you let me try? It?
3: Hello, welcome to our Laz and Powers. This is Scott Powers with Mark Lazarus. Mark is in the lovely Denver, uh, Colorado, and I, I don't know—I was going in the area, but you're actually in Denver, Colorado, so it's not like—I just-
2: I am indeed in Denver. Yes, yes. You know, there's something weird about Denver, and maybe like some locals could help me out with this. The sun is. This is going to sound like the stupidest thing anyone's ever said. The sun is so much brighter here than it is anywhere else. I took the train from the airport last yesterday morning. And I walked from Union Station. It's like 25 minutes down to 16th Street Mall. There's plenty of restaurants. And stuff. It's a nice area. I'm like, oh, I'll walk. I'm shutting my bag. And the sun is directly overhead because it's like 11 o'clock. And it is like 30 times brighter than the sun we have in Chicago. It's brighter than the sun in L.A. I, every time I'm here, I can't explain. I don't I – I, 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 I'm not a scientist. I don't know if thin air creates less light diffusion or something. But someone from Denver helped me out because it is freaking blinding to be in a car here to be walking on. I mean, I'm not complaining. I like the sun. It's just <laughs> bizarre how bright it is here. Even when it's not like that hot, it's only like 65 degrees, but it is just the most blinding sun I've ever seen. I don't understand it. Uh,
3: so you're, you're on the first road trip. I'm at, I'm at home and we'll be uh, switching back and forth this, uh, this season. And uh, I'm gonna do a little prospect trip actually this weekend. And um, you probably have uh, a bit of that. See how considering how the black and we'll see what the season goes. <laughs> um, I guess the starting off point with just the preseason, it it, it felt like the. It's funny, like it's like you see how bad the Coyotes were and some of the other like teams that are sort of in this group that you you, you see as competing for the. uh You know, oh, yeah. for,
2: there is some competition. For yeah, like it's there. There's some fucking awful hockey teams. Arizona <laughs> is horrible. The Blackhawks are horrible. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be a race.
3: You, you did a story yesterday about how uh, basically asking you know asking all the players what. You know, what's it like to be told that you're that you're suck and that you're going to be bad this year? And, and obviously all of them were. Um, yeah, they all they all said, you know, we're going to, you know, like that's not how we think. And, and so on. But it's like after the preseason, like it's like if you if, if there's any point you start changing people's opinions, like it, it felt like, you know, like I'm sure it's I mean, the regular season hockey is always different. But there was nothing in the preseason that made you think any different of what what you kind of assume this team is.
2: You know, it's interesting when I, when I was asking guys those questions, I kind of put this in the story. It, it, it's a delicate, it's a delicate thing to ask a very proud athlete. You know, everyone says you suck. So I tried to frame it. I'm like, you know, everyone's you know telling me that you guys are gonna be terrible, that you're trying to lose. And, and so I framed, I tried to make it like, does that give you a, and I, it's the term I use both the guys some kind of a fuck you mentality where you have some motivation to shut everybody up. And they all kind of said, yeah, especially Seth Jones, Seth Jones, he was a big smile on his face when I said that he he is a guy who does not like hearing this at all. Um, but you're right. I mean, you watch the preseason and I don't know how you can have any hope for this team. But I talked to Jonathan Taves yesterday. We were, we were chatting for a bit after practice yesterday at University of Denver. And, uh, you know, I'm going to use some of this for a story, probably off opening night. But, you know, I, I asked him, you know, he was so excited about the season in the summer. And I asked him, has, has the preseason changed that in any way? Start having some doubts. And you know, God bless him. He is still, he's defiant till the end. He thinks that this, you know, it's just a matter of getting chemistry. we got so many new guys. We're working out, we're going to be fine. You know, everyone's excited. I to, said, I haven't been this excited for a season in a long time. Like you have to think that way as a professional athlete. They yeah. really do just shut everything out and block out the noise. Like Max Domi was just laughing the whole time he was talking about this. He was great for that story. Just laughing the whole time. But like the other guys were like, yeah, we read this. Mackenzie Ensel, but En was like, you can't avoid it. We all know what you're saying about us. And, you know, you know, we might know the reality of the situation here, but that doesn't mean we have to accept it. I think that's the attitude the Blackhawks have. Now let's see what happens in a month. I mean, if they start 1-9-2 and two again, or whatever it was like they did last year, then, then you can't say anything at that point. Yeah. But, you know, hey, what if they win one or two of these games in the opening road trip? What if they take a game at home? What if they're at 500 uh, three weeks into the season? It's hockey, anything. Especially October hockey is the most wild, batshit thing in sports. So anything can happen in October hockey. So what if they do score some goals? What if they do win a couple of games? Do they start getting confident? Does Kyle Davidson start you know locking guys in the in the Javi dungeon? Like what do you what do they start doing? It's going to be fascinating to watch.
3: Yeah, I I guess I'm at the point where I just I don't think any of that's possible. Like I just I I, <laughs> I, I, I like it's it's they're actively. I mean, you look at the last few weeks and they trade Riley Stillman, who, who was a third pairing defenseman, but uh, like, you like you've all. Like, like you continued to deplete from this team. Like I, I it's not like Jason Dickinson's going to come in and score all the goals, you know, like he could be a bottom six compliment. Um, and then you added like, uh, uh, was it Jared uh, Um He's large. Uh, yeah. So like, it's, it's, it's meant to uh, suppress uh, th- their young prospects in, in Rockford. So they're not accelerating. them. like, it's, it's all, everything's meant for the future. And, and, um, I, I think you know. I think the positive is that you know Stalock and, and Mrazek have looked pretty good, but the the challenge for this team is is, is scoring. And, and you know, like I just, um, yeah, and and nothing in the preseason. You know, like they scored what six goals in the preseason? Four of them came in the game that was mostly um, mostly prospects and guys are in Rockford now. Like everyone who scored goals is in Rockford right now. <laughs> Reichel and Secura and uh yeah it's there there's you know like I think three or four goal guys who scored goals are in Rockford so um not a single guy in the top six scored a goal I believe um yeah I don't know some of that's just yeah I I honestly thought you know and and uh, until Luke Richardson's credit that he took a look at that the Taves and Kane and and it it, you know we didn't get to see watch the game because we couldn't watch any of that game in St. Louis but all the numbers indicated it was pretty awful and they were on the ice for a lot of goals and um, and, and I talked to Ken the other day too, where he thought Adam to see you and him and Domi were creating chances at least. And eventually, you know, those go in, um, and, but it's, it's, again, it could be a one line driven team, but it, it seems like that's the one line if they're going to score any goals, it has to be that line. Cause um, it, it just, it's guys up and down the lineup. Yeah. Just who don't have much of a history or, or it's yeah. I don't Yeah. I mean, I, th- <laughs> I feel like Taves getting back to that level is still going to take some, some doing.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt that Taves looked slow in the preseason. Like he did not, he didn't look as good as he looked in the second half of last season. He looked kind of like he looked at the beginning of last season when he hadn't played in a year. Uh, on the one hand, yeah, that's alarming. You're right about all of this, by the way. I'm trying to find a <laughs> line for, for fans to cling to, but um, it, it, and if you're looking for another, it's the preseason, and this is Jonathan Taves' 437th season. Do you think he's going all out the preseason? Do you think Patrick Kane's has got with Patrick Kane? He's coasting along. It's the preseason. These guys have never cared about the preseason. So I i, I want to see how badly Colorado runs them out of the rink. Remember how bad opening night was last year in Denver. You were an eyewitness to that. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to withhold judgment until they play real games against real teams. Yeah. And I'm assuming it'll be bad. Don't get me wrong. I'm assuming it will be bad. But. I've seen so many meaningless preseason games in the last 11 seasons that I just know not to take any of it serious. It doesn't matter. These aren't real games. These aren't real lineups. And the guys, the only ones who care are those prospects. That's why they're scoring the goals.
3: Yeah. But it, Saturday was basically, uh, I mean, that, that's as close to the NHL game you get into the preseason, right? Like it's, it's team it's two teams row, that, yeah. that, that, that had both their teams. And, and there, there should, like, I, I get, there's a lot of veterans that don't take the preseason seriously, but I think the Blackhawks had all the reason to take the preseason seriously. Like, you had a new coach, and you have guys who are motivated. I mean, Taves, I don't think Taves is coasting anymore on his past. Like, he knows that he's not, uh, yeah, people are questioning him, and and I think he's usually driven by that. So, I don't, yeah. I don't know how much I buy that. This is, uh, this isn't the 2015 or 16 Blackhawks who we just, you know, they were like, we know what the preseason is. We know what we are as a team. I think there was all the reason in the world to be motivated this preseason. And, um, and some of it is figuring out a new system and some of it's figuring out new, like new lines and, in and that chemistry stuff. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, it, it felt like it was more reassuring, not reassuring. It was more, it was just more telling of what we kind of assumed that this team's going to struggle to score and, Um, it's going to have to get, you know, and, and even, I mean, Luke Richardson hasn't hit the point where, you know, I, I think it was, it was in uh, Milwaukee where I had asked him, like, you know, like everyone said this, you know, on paper, this, you guys were not going to be able to score. You guys aren't scoring. Like, are you concerned? And, and he said he wasn't, you know, like, but, but he said the way that we're going to score is we got to create turnovers at the blue line like, we, like he knows that they're limited within the offensive zone just, you know, or, you know, like they, they need to, be able to do something defensively to create something offensively so like they need to very much be able to very much a system team that you know that that plays the Lafferty or Anthos your strengths and you know as fast guys and guys who can disrupt uh, you know create some turnover so it, it feels like they have to play a very precise way that there's it's not you know it's not like Kane to brinket creating it's it's just it, it has to be more of catching, you know, like counter, I mean, counter soccer, counter hockey, where you're just, right. you know, going the other well, way. That, so.
2: That's what Jeremy Colleton tried to preach too. And we saw how well that worked out. I mean, it's, 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 it's a tough thing to do to play perfectly within a system, but you know, we have a, uh, uh, on, uh, tomorrow on Wednesday, we're going to have our annual, but the scouts are saying piece, And, you know, I, I spent a while on the phone with a scout the other day and we're running down the roster and we kind of kept coming to the same conclusions on a lot of them is that this guy could be okay but a lot of things have to go right and they're going to have to play perfect in the right system, in the right way. And, you know, one guy can do that. Can 14 guys do that? It's highly unlikely that you're going to have yeah. a full team operating at such a high capacity. Within, like we've seen like Barry Trotz take bad teams and immediately make them good. We don't know yet if Luke Richardson can be that guy. He's trying, but I don't, I just, I look at this roster and we can get, get into that now I mean, the, the, the the Hawks just released the official season opening roster. And boy, it doesn't look like a rebuilding team. There's not a lot of prospects on here. There's not a lot of young guys on here. This is a veteran, mediocre bunch of guys that is designed to be bad. This is not a rebuilding team.
3: No, it's a rebuilding organization that has a team that's... Exactly. This is a
2: tanking team within a rebuilding organization. There are prospects in the pipeline now, finally. There hadn't been for a while. There's not a ton of them. Not as much as you would expect, given how bad the Blackhawks have been. Thanks largely to the Seth Jones trade, but they're none, almost almost none of them, other than, you know, like a Philip Kurishev and an Alex Vlasic, are at the NHL level right now. The rest of these guys are just journeymen, they're veterans, and there's the two stalwarts in Davis and King.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, in Rockford, there's, there's Reichel, and, and like that's, like that's even the point too. Like you, you, you put some guys down, and and I think Vlasic um, is going to head down too when, when they get healthy. Like I think Vlasic, Like, like everything I've heard, that like I think Velasic and Isaac Phillips and, um, you know, Reichel, these are all guys that they foresee, probably be part of the the rebuild or or have a potential to be. And guys like Ragula Ragula is
2: the one young guy that's going to be in the mix this year, it
3: sounds like. Yeah. And and just, it's, I feel like Regula needs to, like, they feel like Regula's graduated to this level, but I think that they, they need to see more from him. Um, You know, like he even, I, I I talked to him last week or so about, you know, he said he's just got to move the puck faster. Like he's holding on the puck too long. And, you know, he had a turnover the other day um, where he just, yeah, just, it's, it's trying him trying to do too much with the puck. And sometimes it works out, you know, it's highlight. There's some highlight real plays, but it's at this level, like you just, yeah, it's more about, you can do that occasionally. You better be right about doing it, but yeah, more more often than not, they're just getting moving the puck forward. So, like like Raguel is interesting, and you know Velasquez interesting. interesting. Um, yeah, aside from that, I don't think aside you know aside of you know maybe Kane resigning, I don't know how many guys on this team right now we're gonna see in like two or three years. And um, it was interesting when well, I was most, writing most
2: of their prospects are in juniors right now. Most yeah, of their top prospects. It,
3: it, was, it was writing about the Riley Stillman trade on Saturday and um like you know like over from 2022 to 24 they're going to have 13 draft picks in the first and second round like they, it, it not not that they're all going to hit on those so you won't see 13 angel players likely but it, it's that's been the mission like it's it's been to get first and second round picks and 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 you know and, and hopefully hit on enough that you're you're good and then they have to hit on and there's a question about this but i, I only think this year is a success in any way is if they if they're the worst team? Like I, I think that's it's the only way that you can um, uh, that that you can you can you know why you traded Alex to Brinkett. Like that's the only reason that can mean anything is if you're the worst team in the league and, and get the first pick because otherwise then it doesn't seem like it's worth it.
2: Well, I, I don't think they're gonna be. I think Arizona is just spectacular in its tankitude. I mean it is unbelievable how I mean they they, they actually scored I think twice as many goals as the Hawks did the preseason, but they had an entire game where they scored they had seven shots on goal. Yeah. I mean, this is a putrid, putrid team. And the Blackhawks, for a while, are still going to have Patrick Kane. He's going to win a couple of games. Peter Morazic, he's nothing special, but he is a real NHL goaltender. He's going to steal some games. Like, it's just... I, they're going to have to be almost perfect in being bad to be yeah. as bad as Arizona. And Montreal's no great shits either. This yeah. is not going to be a two-horse race. going to be a three-horse race.
3: Yeah, no, it, not, it'll, it'll not be interesting because I, 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 think, I, I think at some point, like, Kane's going to be motivated. To, like, I... I Everything I heard, you know, at least I'm hearing is that they've everyone feels like New York's building, um, you know, like they're building enough draft picks to make that to make that trade and, and try to get Kane at uh, the New York Rangers at, at the deadline. And, and um, yeah, I wonder, I
2: wonder if Matt Barzell signing long term makes the Islanders a possibility because they have the cap space and they have the center that Patrick Kane dreams of in Barzell. Yeah, uh, obviously, you would love to play with Panarin. He'd love to play in New York. All that but I wonder if the Islanders might be a dark horse. In that, in that yeah,
3: I don't. I haven't looked at the Islanders what the draft picks are or, or that sort of thing. That's a
2: good point. I'm not sure they have a whole lot. In, in, in so
3: I know that, I mean, New York, the Rangers just got, got that other first rounder. Um, so I, I, yeah, it feels like they're at least setting themselves up to, you know, if like they're a contender at the deadline that they make a move for Kane or someone else. Uh, Islanders
2: do have their first and second round picks next year. And they have a first round pick in 2024 also. So,
3: okay. Um, so yeah it'll, it'll be interesting yeah because like I think and and I, I taking Kane off this team it, it even changes the dynamic Im- immensely you know like everything oh, yeah. that I every every chance the Blackhawks had or at least the majority of them was was still created by Kane whether they're passes you know or just uh, you know his line or just you know his like him being on the ice just creates so much space for other guys and what he does um so yeah at, Whatever the Blackhawks are, and then I feel like there's a month that you probably won't have Patrick Kane, and, and there's a chance you may not have Anthony or Dome here too. Like there might be a chance this this team's fully depleted after the deadline, but um, yeah. Just, no, go ahead. Just
2: for just for clarity's sake, we should go over some of the uh, <clears throat>
3: excuse
2: me the roster here because there's a lot of guys that are like on the team but not on the team, like Caleb Jones and Jake McCabe. They were both skating yesterday. I think Caleb Jones had a white non-contact jersey, but Jake McCabe is basically full go. He's going to be back probably by the time they get home. Yeah, I think think he said, yeah, I
3: think think they're shooting for next week to play, right?
2: That might be when Vlasic goes down. Yeah. Um, We'll see when Jared Tenorti arrives. He's not here yet. Um, How he factors in there. Uh, Ian Mitchell's hurt, but he's Rockford bound. Jason Dickinson, he is uh, having visa issues. This always seems to be the case when when they bring a guy from a Canadian team, so... He might be able to play in San Jose, but he's almost certainly out these first two games in
3: Colorado. And they, can, they can send Buddy Robinson down whenever That's they
2: Buddy Robinson. He, He's still with the team, but he cleared waivers. So yeah, yeah. He's, he will be headed down when uh, when Dickinson's actually. Dickinson's kind of interesting because, you know, and, and I talked a little bit about this with Luke Richardson yesterday, is when he was in Dallas, he was a pretty good player. Like he scored, he was a good, solid defense. He was a perfectly fine third line kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And he went to Vancouver and he just stopped playing offense altogether and you know, I, uh, Richardson suggested maybe it's just a system thing. Maybe that's what they needed out of him. But I mean, y- y- I mean, the point of getting Dickinson was obviously to take on to get the second round pick. You know, Vancouver paid to shed a salary, and that's what Kyle Davidson should be doing. That was a great move. But Dickinson's a viable NHL player, <clears throat> and once upon a time, he was a pretty good one.
3: Yeah, and and that and and I think that was part of the goal this year is to be respectable, right? So like, it, it's not a roster of complete. Yeah, the guys that are washed up—they're up not
2: going to or... embarrass themselves. They're just not going to win.
3: Yeah, and yeah, we'll we'll see where that line is drawn because I, I think it's a motivated bunch. And then like like you said, like in a month, like if, if things are have gone sideways, like where where's the energy and where's where's Kane and Taves headed? Like I, I think the way that those guys are still drives a lot of what that room's like too. So um, yeah, like I, like I, if I they're think- going well, then yeah, they they certainly build confidence. But I also think that. Um, I think the frustration can set in for those guys, too, just because expectations are high and it's, it's been a while. And I think they're trying to elude uh, reality a little bit too. you know, like they just they... I,
2: I, I am fascinated to see what happens when and let's say not if, but when things go bad. Yeah, because um, last year, I mean, it was so bleak around the team in October. There was always obviously the Kyle Beach stuff and Colleton's job hanging in the balance. And then things kind of leveled out once everybody realized what was going on. We've been in rooms that have been awful, like, you know, 18, 19, some of those pre COVID years when the Hawks were supposed to be good and just weren't. And those teams were miserable. They were unhappy. It was just, it was a, it was a bad play. It was a bad vibe in there this year. I mean, despite what everyone told me when I asked them about this, they all know the situation. They know the reality. These guys aren't idiots. They know that they're being set up to fail. Max Domi knows he's here to be flipped. So does a fantasy. These guys know they're not Blackhawks lifers. You know, guys like Reese Johnson are, are happy to be in the league. Philip yeah. Kirsch is worrying about himself. So I, I really, I think the one advantage they have is when things go bad, nobody's going to be surprised. I don't think it's going to be a pissed off locker room. I don't think it's going to be that front room. I think this is a team... I think that, Kane and Taves this, are the are... Well, Kane and Taves are the exception. They're not going to handle it well. Un- and understandably so. But everyone else on this team except for maybe Seth Jones, but he understands it now, too. He's just not thrilled about it. You know, when they lose five games in a row, I don't think they're going to be moping around about it. I think they're going to be like, well, this is what we're supposed – this is what they wanted out of us. This is what yeah. it is. And everyone's going into this, this season clear-eyed, except for maybe Kane and Taves, because they just can't accept it after all the success they've had. I think everyone in this room knows what the deal is, and Richardson knows what the deal is, and they can say they want to win, and that's great. They should try to win they should try to fuck over Kyle Davidson that's that's what they should be doing yeah uh, but it's just not going to happen and i think everyone sort of deep down understands that so i don't think this is going to be i think this will be a loose locker room all the way through the end of the year no matter how bad they are
3: they know yeah, and I, I i think like you said i mean there's two the, the, the two groups one there's a lot of guys around one year deals who are they have to be motivated right like this is
2: oh yeah if you're going to get paid in the fantasy you want to be here because they're going to get top line top yeah. 6 minutes with potentially really good players and get a chance to kind of resurrect their careers and get a payday next, uh, next
3: year. Yeah, you, you really don't, you don't have anyone looking, like you don't have to look over your shoulder because Reichel and those guys aren't coming probably soon. Yeah. And uh, they're, yeah, they're not looking to instill youth. It, it's, 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 giving it doesn't these
2: guys... have to be a miserable year for the team. It'll be a miserable year for fans, but for yeah. the Blackhawks themselves, it doesn't have to be, this is a transition year and everybody gets it.
3: Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah. It'll be fascinating. I, 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 I mean, we've, we've covered some bad teams, but none that are, yeah, I think I think like this is the start of the season, so.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty-four-seven US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply.
3: well, I we we're going to talk a little bit
1: about. I know that we
3: we talked about the um, Usock piece, um, and and we uh, the we just started the the Project 99, 99 Project uh, today. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to take a page from my favorite podcast, the Ringerverse podcast, and do some program. <clears throat> Excuse me, some programming reminders. We got so much stuff up right. Now. I mean, we always are crazy at the start of the season, but. You know, go read Scott's story. His annual, um, you know, what, what why, why players wear their numbers piece, which is always fun. And there's so many new guys this year that it's fun to learn. You know, some guys are just like, uh, I don't know, they gave it to me. But there's usually a good story behind it. Um, go read that. Go read my column from last night. Um, yeah, the NHL 99 project. We've been talking about this internally for, God, it feels like forever since the draft. Um, we've all been working on our stories. Scott and I, as you can imagine, have a few players that are in the, it's the 99 best players of the modern era, like 67 and on. So, you know, there won't be like, you know, you know, uh, Toe Blake and stuff on there. It'll be guys you've heard of. And, uh, you know, if, if anyone saw the uh, the baseball 100 that Joe Posnanski did, it's kind of in that vein. Lesson. Some of the stories will be essays. Some of them will be features. Some of them will be like uh, analytics pieces on what made these guys great. It's going to be really fun. Um, I turned in one of my stories yesterday. Scott's already turned in a couple, I think. Um, and Mike Russo ruined it for everybody with his uh, Marc-Andre Fleury feature day, which is just phenomenal. I remember we were in Montreal, and he went up the day before the draft. He went to Fleury's house to do that story uh, when we were there for the draft, and he came back, and he was like, oh, my God, Fleury's the greatest. He's the best guy. This story is going to be so good. And we're like, yeah, yeah, Russo. And, of course, the story is really, really really good. Um, So we all have a lot to live up to for that, but it's going to be basically every day for the next uh, next few months uh, counting down the greatest players of all time. Uh, of the modern era, excuse me. So look for that. Um, Richard Deitch has a piece up a hockey writers roundtable that I participated in with, um, with Shana Goldman, Ian Mendez, uh, Saad Youssef and Fudo Shinzawa talking about the upcoming season from a media standpoint, which is always an interesting topic. And you can go into the comments section and read the word woke 432 times because that's America. And um, yeah, just, just spend an hour just on the can just cycling through your athletic app it's ridiculous you know go read all the Mets dirges from tim Britton and will salmon they're making me very sad but they're ex- they're extremely good there's just so am, much and my visit to you, uh,
3: my visit to stockholm and see johnny o'duya yes
2: which was a great story i, I love johnny o'duya I, mm-hmm. I actually talked to him yesterday for one of these nhl 99 stories and man he was such a thoughtful and bright guy like to, to talk to during his career but he's like a lot mellower now it seems like I, you know every time I, I need him for a story he's just so chill and enjoying retirement I mean, he's busy as hell as your story yeah. uh, showed but he's just I love talking to him he's such an insightful guy he's one of one of those guys that really can convey what it's like to be a, a professional hockey player and I, I always appreciated that about it it's yeah, just man. yeah so much stuff on there go read it because uh, just because the blackhawks are bad doesn't mean our stuff's gonna be bad yeah. uh,
3: we have uh, we have some questions here um, from uh, this is from kg 311 on Twitter a lot of fans are Bernard or bust at at worst top three Mitchkoff and Fantilli. However, this is a this is shaping up to be an all-time draft with Leo Carlson, Zach Benson and Brandon Jaeger. Should Hawks fans consider this year a fail without a top three pick? I, I think it is. I, I think you I, I think that the reason you traded Alex to brinkett was th- so that you ended up with a top three pick. I, I think that's the only reason that was justifiable to trade Alex to Brinkett. I think I, I think the Brink would have made them too good, especially with, with Kane. Um yeah I I yeah, I, I think that's if they don't end up with a top three pick that this if you put everyone through this type of season um, and don't have a top three pick, it just it's because there's the difference. Like if, if the Blackhawks are better than expected, um, that that doesn't mean playoff team probably it means that they're yeah. probably like the sixth or seventh worst team. And that's, just, that's the worst place to be. So if you're going to if you're going to take everything away. Um, from, from fans for the most part and, and not end up with one of those uh, potential superstar talents, then yeah, I think this is a complete fail.
2: I, I don't know if you can call it a fail because it's a lottery, right? I mean, if you finish dead last, you're guaranteed one of those top three picks, yes. Yeah. But only an 18.5 chance of getting the dart. And you could finish fourth worst and win the lottery. You can finish second or third worst and, and, and still get a top three pick. Fail, it, it, when there are other teams doing the same thing as you, I don't like, it, it's a crushing disappointment if you don't get a top three pick, but if they are very, very bad as advertised, but Arizona is just the worst team in the history of hockey. I'm not sure you can call it a failure. You can well, then,
3: I, I My thing is that failure I know the Blackhawks
2: are trying to they're be doing. They're doing what they have to do to fail.
3: I know, but I, I see, I, I know the Blackhawks are trying to be respectable. And this is something that even, um, you know, the front office has talked about that, you know, we want to play competitive hockey that people are here to watch. And, and like, that's all good, but I, I don't think that's how like, like, either you're bad or you're trying, you know? Like, so, like, I, I, I it, it's all good that they've brought in players that they think are respectable. But if, if this doesn't work out, then I think the failure was not tanking enough. Like, I, I, I you know, like, you, you, you have some control of who you signed. Like, you, you didn't have to sign Domi or Anna to see you And, um, cause ultimately, they're not going to probably bring fans in the stadium. Like, there's this thought, like, a competitive. I don't know if there's a fun team to watch, like a winning team's fun. Alex to was fun. Um, Domi and Ana to are, are risks that they may be good. And then risks that maybe that are too good, right? Like if they, they score 30 goals and then you end up the fourth worst team. Um, that that's, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like you had the control of how bad this team could be because you traded away some of your best and you know, young pieces. And then you really didn't have anything You you had to replace them with. And you tried, you've gone out and tried to replace them with some players that you, you hope that, um, that you bring in some offense. And I, I think they had a better opportunity to to fail more. So like, I think being the fourth or fifth worst team is, is, yeah, that's like a fail. Cause you had, you had more control over it, but you wanted to, you want to be this competitive team to draw some fans. And I, I'm not, I just don't buy that's how it, it works. I don't think that's what fans want. I think fans want, um, either a team that's completely trying or something that's fun. I don't know. if I don't know if like a competitive team is actually, you know, like I don't know how fun that is actually for fans. No,
2: you're, you're, and, and this is clearly not going to be a team that loses six to five every night, which would at least be entertaining. This is going to be a grind it out, try to score yeah. two, or two, hope you win. Yeah. Well, let me let me ask you this side side question to that. Yeah. Let's say you do finish dead last. Yep. You don't win the lottery, and you're picking second. Do you take Mitchkov, knowing it could be years before you get him because of the because of the KHL contract? Because he's supposed to be like. Almost as good as Bedard, if not better. But this is a huge question mark surrounding him. Do you take the safe thing with Fantilli?
3: Yeah, I guess it depends on what Fantilli's season looks like. I think some of the data is going to tell you too. Um, you know, Mitch Koff, I don't. Know, I don't think Mischkov's back yet from his injury. But like, I feel like, like you have another year of data after this year. Like they're they're older. Their body's a little bit more mature. Like so far, you know, Bedard and Mischkov have put themselves in that elite category. Does Fantilli, um, you know, going from the USH to college, it's it's a pretty big jump, and it's 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 a more challenging league in in some respects um just because you're playing guys i don't i mean mitchoff playing the KHL is pretty pretty uh, obviously pretty challenging too um so yeah I, I think the year the data tells you a lot but if if mitchoff is you know like if he's a pretty sure thing to be a superstar like if it's waiting three three years i think it's its was it was a twenty twenty
2: five long time when you're already two years in year
3: yeah or, i don't like, know like if it's if it's I guess the, the other part is that he comes in and, and he's probably ready to dominate and, and there's the contract thing. So um, Yeah, but you expect
2: when you're, when you're picking these generational talents, we've seen it with McDavid and Matthews. They step right in at 18 and dominate. You're going to miss, you know, a player's prime is no longer 27 to 31. It's like 19 to 23. And you're going to give up those years if you sign Mitch Cobb, if you draft Mitch Cobb.
3: Yeah, so yeah, I don't I, up, I guess it depends on what, what Fantilli good, yeah. looks like. If Fantilli looks like he's, you know, he's gonna be an elite player, then, then yeah. But if if it's Bedard Michtkov, do it.
2: I, I don't, I don't think I would take Michtkov unless I have that third pick, and then you have no, you know, then you gotta take him. But if I have that second pick, I don't think I'm risking it. I'm not gonna give up three years of this guy's prime in youth because of contract concerns.
3: Yeah, and, and I guess I mean, I, I guess things can change too. Like, I mean, if he'd, if he if for some reason that he decides that he wants to leave earlier, like I don't, I don't know enough behind the scenes yet that like the, like there's, there's definitely concerns about how, how long you would
2: think, think money talks, right. And Rocky's got the money to buy anybody you'd think, but I mean, it's, it's a well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're thing.
3: limited to like the entry level contract and all, you know, like you, you have but some, I mean like, to- you
2: know, secret, this is Russia. We're talking about secret under the, under the table payments. Let, let the guy go. You can make things happen in Russia. If you got money, let's be honest
3: here. I honestly have no idea how that works. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's a thing at all. So, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I guess it really, it really depends on what Fantilli looks like this year. Like, it's if it's Bedard and you know, and Michikoff and and then further down the lines, Fantilli. That, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, that that would it's it's difficult. You just you don't want to miss out on someone who's yeah. You don't want to take uh, Sam Bowie, right? Like.
2: Yeah, just three three years of his prime though i'm telling you the prime these days it's it's young 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 and that's when that's when they're mo- i mean granted you'll get him at 23 or whatever on an entry level contract so he'll be cheap as hell when he's great i get all that but man giving up a few years there of seriously good hockey
3: yeah i, I mean I, I guess with taves went back to college for what one, one year or, one year one year um,
2: i mean that, that i guess came right in McDavid came right in. Matthews came right
3: in. McKinnon
2: came right in. Yeah,
3: no, for sure. It, I mean, it, it varies. I mean, it's it. I think it's usually that you know, if you're college. a top five pick, it's usually zero to one years that you jump in. So, yeah, like you wait probably two more years than than expected. So, yeah, I don't know. I I, I honestly, I I think I think this season will be telling. Like I, I
2: I also honestly, honestly, you know, I hadn't thought about this much, but if attendance gets real bad this year and the fan base really tunes these guys out. They're not taking Mitch They're going to need an immediate injection of excitement. If they, if they start losing money and they're not selling tickets and they're becoming irrelevant, I think that's going to play into this decision too.
3: It has to. Well, the other part is that the Blackhawks need to get, they need to spend money next year. Like they need to get somewhere near the, at least the floor. So uh, whether that's Kane or or someone else or, or Kane plus someone else that I, I think there is some mindfulness that um, this is the year that you strip most of it away. And then you need to start, you need to start putting some pieces but back together. If you bring year.
2: in a Bedard or you bring in a, a Fantilli, that potentially jumpstarts things, turns a five-year rebuild into a three-year rebuild, and next year you start building towards something. So that's Yeah, that's for the sure. No, yeah, I, I think
3: this is the one year that everything's completely stripped, and yeah. next year you, has to be. You,
2: you have the fan base basically accepting this and willing to go along with it, but I don't. If, if you come in next year and you say we're tanking again, there's a great draft pick available. Yeah, I don't think it works again. This is a no, no. Time, I, I think one-time one think... get-out-of-jail-free card.
0: You,
3: you, you have your number one defenseman, uh, you're, you, you've got, you know, like you have some decent, you know, like top six fours probably in, in Nazar and, uh, Nazar and, uh, and Reichel. And, and next year you go get your superstar and, um, and, and you hope that you ha- the fact that you have all those other first and second round picks that you build them around. I mean, I think they're going to be very forward heavy, um, an extra draft again, that I think that they like their defensive pull enough. Um, yeah that you know like even i think joe krachinsky like it's i think in a perfect world the blackhawks would probably like to keep krachinsky in in juniors for maybe two years um but i i think that he's i think next year he'll be ready and they, they'll need to promote him and part of it's they, they need to start selling the future again so yeah um
2: yeah I, ne- ne- next year has to be a step in the positive direction you can't yeah. do this
3: no you, you can't you can't have a single player on your team or, or very few players that are, aren't part of the rebuild like you need you need guys graduating from rockford like reichel um, everything I heard about Reichel, they still think he's too small and that he needs to, you know, and someone's, you know, like he's still what just turned 20. So, um but I, a lot of it, a lot of what Reichel needs is still off seasons. Like it's, it's just it's building up strength and um they, they, you know, like they felt like he was overwhelmed in the NHL. So, um yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll, it'll. I don't know. I, I, I guess this year will be interesting. I, I think, I think the prospect stuff is. It'll be fascinating to see how that shakes up and like yeah.
2: Let, let's get into that. Let's talk about some of the guys that you're looking for this season. What 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 are you keeping an eye on beyond Rockford? beyond Chicago.
3: Yeah, I, I think is the the first one. I think he's uh yeah, I think he's a guy who who looked really good in the preseason. Um yeah. you know some of it's building strength and you know, just uh, you know the good things he's in, you know, major junior, so he's playing a lot of games, so you take the wear and tear. So um, yeah, I think they just they need to, they want him to be dominant and um, offensively. Like you know, like you, you want him to be better defensively and all those things. But you you want him to be Kale um, yeah, McCarr. Yeah, everyone you know,
2: needs everyone wants a Kale McCarr now. That's you know that's what everybody needs. That's what everybody wants.
3: Yeah, um, I, I think I think White Kaiser at Minnesota Duluth. I think he's another guy that's uh, a top four defenseman, and I think he'll come out after this year in college. So um, I think he's someone. Uh, as long as they don't make a real deep run in the in the Frozen Four or something like that, I think uh, you know I think you'll see him probably burn you know probably burn the year just so they they make sure they sign him. So I think Kaiser is someone you could see in the NHL by the end of the year. And um you know he doesn't have as much offensive upside as as Kaczynski, but I think he's uh, he's more of a two way defenseman and looks you know he's someone who can play major minutes like in college. And so I, I think uh, you know I think this year developing is huge because I think he he's another guy who can put, you know like he'll end the season in the NHL and. Um, and then from a year from now, we'll see, we'll see maybe if he needs time in Rockford, but, um, you know, I, I think Velasik took a step that they really liked from when he came out last year to where he is now. Um, I think Drew Camiso is another guy he'll sign up for this year as a junior at BU, um, you know, probably needs some time in Rockford, but, you know, I think him and sort of are the one, two combination in the future. So, um, I think I'll be, you know, how BU and Camiso does is really big, uh, Slager's another guy who I think, uh. Um he was sign after this year, Landon Slagger. You know, he's more, more probably the a third line, fourth line guy, but you know, they liked his progress. Yep. Um and then and Rockford, uh, you know, aside from Reichland, the usual guys, I think Isaac Phillips is really interesting too. I think he's he's a guy who's who's come along being you know, he wasn't as you know, highly touted in the draft, but um the fact that he jumped into Rockford during uh COVID and, and was good enough to stick there at 18 years old. And you know, like uh, he usually you the know
2: NHL at twenty. He was pretty yeah. solid.
3: Yeah, so he – I mean, he, he – uh, you know, if COVID doesn't happen, he probably doesn't sign or he doesn't uh, get, you know, to Rockford this year. Now he's got two years of Rockford under his belt. I think he'll be, um, you know, top-pairing defenseman under – you know, down there this year, and he, he's he got a lot of upside. And um, so, yeah, I think he's he's really interesting. Um, and then, you know, I, I guess you know, I, I've heard some – you know, Frank Nazar has yet to play for Michigan this year, and I, I, I've i heard that he uh, he's actually going to miss – potentially a couple months with an injury so it's not the start they they want to his uh his career but it, it doesn't sound like it's season ending injury but um something it, it's delayed him a little bit and then the other first round pick sam rinzel who's in the ushl and he's more of a long-term plan but um yeah it's, it'll be interesting to follow out those guys and just you know they had so many high draft picks it, it's it's bad that i feel awful for the kid that paul Lewinsky who got uh, who got injured in that um uh they get prospect. injured in, in the prospect game, and and he's yet to be cleared out of the concussion protocol call. So he, like, he can't even go back to his junior team yet. So like, it, it just it kind of sucks. He's been in Chicago, just going through protocol stuff for uh, for almost the last month here. So, um, but uh, yeah, they, they have so many prospects there. They and I think there's some some really interesting ones, and in Rockford will be interesting. So, um, yeah, I imagine uh, we'll be doing that throughout the season.
2: So uh, I haven't had a chance to see any movies this week. I'm hoping to see Bros. I'm right. My hotel is right next to a. uh, uh, uh movies i am i'm excited to see an actual comedy in a movie theater again they don't make comedies anymore so i'm yeah. excited for to be. uh did the here's the real question did you see brendan gleason host saturday night live on set? no
3: i i was actually just i was talking to a buddy yesterday and i
2: moody himself i know that's what you know him for yeah i
3: uh it's uh <laughs> I, I i need to watch i was talking to a buddy in dublin yesterday who uh he works in a um uh like a big and tall shop in in dublin and in and. and Brendan Gleeson's coming in there like twice. And he, he's just like, he said, Brendan Gleeson is like the coolest and nicest guy. And, um, but he told me about the monologues. I need to I need to go watch it. Um,
0: I just started. I'll
2: oh, will go no. ahead.
3: Uh, I was going to say, I just started, it, was, it wasn't Brendan Gleeson related, but I, I just, started... there is a Brendan Gleeson movie coming out with, uh, Colin Farrell. Colin
2: Farrell yeah which
3: I'm uh, which that's your that's your dream team right yeah In Bruges is well, yeah, my favorite movie of all time
2: so. the, thing, the thing I love about like, like Brendan Gleeson is such a strange choice to host SNL, but those are always my favorite hosts are like actual real actors and not just funny famous people because they, they, they they're they a little awkward and they're a little nervous but they're also like actually throw themselves in like you think this would be beneath Brendan Gleeson but he's out there having the time of his life and I, I always love when you put these like you know kind of strange choices for hosts those are always the most at the very least it wasn't a great episode of snl i yeah. watched pretty much all of them but it was an interesting one it was like it was fun to watch a guy like him be really really silly
3: yeah yeah nice um i just started uh i, well, I watched it before i watched homeland on uh, on showtime and i, I just never finished the series and it's been so long since i had i'd watched anything so I, i've just restarted the series from season one so i'm, I'm homeland? Yeah, Homeland, so I'm... Oh, I'm, wow,
2: Homeland, like, the first season of Homeland was amazing.
3: Yeah, so I, I, I've i watched season the one, two, season and three. Like, two, like, like, second a little,
2: like, the second season was a little wonky, and then it got, it got there was some horrible seasons. They spiked a good season here and there. Yeah, Just, so
3: I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm taking a deep dive back into it and starting from the start, so... Interesting, interesting. Give me something to do while you're on the road, and, uh, yeah, I'm going to hit the road
2: Scott? this weekend, so... Do you miss me. Is that what you're saying?
3: I do miss you. Yeah. Well, we don't see each other a whole lot during the season, strangely That's enough.
2: It's kind of by design, right? It's like yeah. when, I'm, when I'm somewhere, you don't have to be there and vice versa.
3: Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, you'll be uh, all three games on this road trip. And then uh, it's it's the schedule where they have the three games and then they have like five, six days off and then they play again. Yeah, it's like they're home. in Europe or something. Yeah.
2: Instead of Vegas and San Jose. Yeah.
3: Um, yeah, it's weird. It's back to back right off the start, too
2: yeah in san jose you know they're, they're coming back from they've already played a couple of games in europe and they're actually they're playing a back-to-back at home which you rarely see on friday and saturday nights. so like i think a bunch of us might just wind up going to the sharks hurricanes game on friday night for the oh, nice.
3: oh cool um yeah and we'll uh yeah i imagine will we'll, well, i guess we'll have some games to talk about next week so that'll be uh Hooray! yeah yeah something more than just uh yeah speculation Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll be back at it next week. And uh, yeah, we'll probably might be in the same room. We'll, we'll, maybe we'll do this after practice. Yeah, we'll
2: do something. it from a practice or from yeah. the pod the, the mobile.
3: So, sounds good. Um, for Mark Lazarus, I am Scott Powers, and this is and Powers. We'll talk to you soon. But it's not about me.
1: No, I'm only here for a minute, a, minute, a minute. And I know that I
0: can't fix it. Can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try